This is El Paisano Media, and you're listening to EPM Network. To this week's episode of Rio Hondo's Pretty Neat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Ramirez, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about nostalgic preservation. All right, all right, all right. Let's lower that down a bit, huh? So to start off this episode, I really wanted to sort of relate it, kind of like how I did in episode two, to the previous episodes. Um, This episode, specifically, is going to be sort of a natural continuation of some of the stuff I've talked about. So, so far, just in case you haven't listened to the first two episodes, which, what are you doing? This is episode three. Go listen to the first two. They're pretty neat. (laughs) But, really, this is a natural continuation of those two because both of those focused on internet art, more specifically the second episode, and how the internet affects art. And not to get too meta too early on, but if you've noticed, a lot of the stuff I've talked about is really old. Stuff that there's records of, you know, and aren't necessarily things that are happening right now. Now, the reason why that's important is because today has a lot to do with preservation and nostalgia, and the internet's role in preserving art, recreating that art, and continuing the everlasting conversation that we all have with art and in forms of art. Now for me, I get really dorky about music. I'm a terrible musician, but I get really, really dorky about music. So it's super easy for me to explain that in terms of music. So last episode, we talked about Vaporwave, right? Well, Vaporwave kind of had an ancestor. Back in the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of house music musicians or local DJs that were mixing music and stuff like that. But in a way that sounds super similar to stuff like Vaporwave or lo-fi hip-hop. And I mean, I think it's arguable that the internet sort of creates these new revolutions. Not in terms of like, oh, you know, (laughs) we're... 17 whatever and like we're the american revolution but in terms of literally a revolution like a a big circle they create these revolutions um that are repetitive of the past in a way that pays homage to them but almost exists completely separate of it with this weird culture structured around it that's entirely internet-based or like almost solely influenced purely by the internet but with these aspects that can't be forgotten because they're just as important but from these aspects that come from different parts of of life really of different parts of the world of different parts of societies and cultures and and even commerce systems uh we talked about the influence of um We did a little bit. We touched a little bit of the influence of capitalism on forms of art like Vaporwave. And, you know, we've talked a lot about a lot of little things. So hopefully this episode will kind of be able to condense a lot of the stuff that I've brought up before. 
So really getting into the, like the idea of media preservation, this is where things start to get fun for me because the culture around media preservation is incredibly too serious in my opinion. not media preservation is actually something that's kind of popular or really nichely popular like a lot of the stuff i talk about is so there's like big groups really big groups thousands of people who are super into media preservation and then there's people who are like really really into media preservation i mean like the people that get into the nitty-gritty about it uh you have YouTube channels, right? Like Blame It On Jorge or any of the other semi sort of creepy lost media uh, YouTube channels or, you know, the less, uh, less, sorry, the less overtly spooky, scary uh, YouTube channels like El Supersonic Q or something that cover a lot of lost media. Um, one of the biggest, most like well-known and also most like what the heck ones was uh day with spongebob right uh there was an amazon listing for this mockumentary called a day with spongebob and it was produced by this company that had like uh, turns out had their headquarters in a shopping mall in the food court and like when they would call people about it and be like, hey, we heard you were connected to this company. Can you know, can you answer a couple questions about a, a day with SpongeBob? They would get cussed out on the phone over it and get told to like never call this phone number again and, and stuff like that. And then you had like this dude, this enigmatic Mr. Orange, who was supposedly the end of the search. And he was like, yeah, we're going to Kickstarter for the movie to come out. And he kind of explained the synopsis of it and why it was listed on Amazon. And it never came out. That was like a, well, at least two years ago, like before pre-pandemic, this this mystery was solved, apparently. And it was this movie was supposed to come out and it never did. And like it, to me, this whole investigation that went down opened my eyes to the idea that like lost media is really important to people but also it itches like a, it itches a scratch that i feel like a lot of people on the internet have and that's i want to know mysteries man come on they're cool you know we all like scooby-doo growing up so why aren't we gonna want to figure out our own mysteries but i mean as cool as that is and trust me we might even talk about that more during this episode i really really want to get into like the groups that take part in this, not just the YouTube channels, not just like the people who have like a really huge platform, but like the groups, you know, the people behind the scenes, the people who have like their own niche communities who get into this. So to start off with, I really want to kind of get into the two big ones, like the ones that I know about and I feel like any novice to the scene is going to know about. And that's the... Reddit 
for Lost Media and the Wikipedia for Lost Media. Uh, the Lost Media Wiki, as it's called, or uh, the LMW, if you want to be cool, is uh, Wikipedia for Lost Media. That rhymed, and I didn't mean it to, but, you know, no duh. Uh, it's uh, a group of a bunch of people who kind of, it's, it's basically a forum is what it is. It's, it's really hard for me, for me to say, like, it's a group of people without sounding like that news channel that was saying the hacker known as 4chan. Like, it, it's dumb to say that, and anybody who's listening to this who knows the internet knows how dumb that sounds. But, like, my point being <laughs> that the Lost Media Wiki is a community of people who come together to not only express like, hey, I have this really weird memory about this thing or I'm looking for this thing that I've been looking for for years. I had a VHS of it, yada, yada, yada. You know, you have the people who are looking for stuff as in like, hey, does anybody know about this? And then you have the people who are looking for stuff like the people who are involved in the investigation on A Day with SpongeBob, which might have uncovered a money laundering scheme, but we'll get to that in the end of the episode, just for funsies. But yeah, you know, you have these groups on there, you know, these little subgroups that are looking for stuff. These search parties is what I like to think of them as, you know, and if something's really hot, like the clock man was, which was a whole other bag of worms. There's a really great Blame It On George video on YouTube about it. Go look it up. It's great. You guys will probably love the story if you love anything that has to do with like weird internet mysteries and kind of creepy ones too. Um, But yeah, whenever something's sort of hot like that. A lot of people hop on it and, you know, there's big names in the community, which is how you know a community is like strong, but also big and kind of weird. And it's it's really to me, that's when you can really put a pin on something and be like, this is a community because there's there's gaming communities. Yeah, there's like the Apex community or, you know, the the Call of Duty community. Back in the day, there was the Assassin's Creed community. And I say back in the day because Loomer's not around anymore. Shout out to my boy. But Uh, you know, like you had these sort of niche hyper fan communities like that in the gaming world. But to me, there weren't really names other than maybe in the Assassin's Creed one names that stood out in the same way that you see with uh, the, um, lost media wiki. And I, I haven't really familiarized myself too much with the reddit i've been on there a little bit for research for this episode but really the thing that i'm most familiar with a lot of it having to be through those cool youtube episodes of lost media stuff i'm just gonna be honest but a lot of that stuff to me is like cool because it seems like these communities really actually have like like big dudes and i mean that in the best way like you ever like read a story or play a video game or something or like even watch this is honestly this is an anime trope hear me out you ever watch an anime and they're like that's so and so so and so he's the biggest boy on the planet this side of Kentucky and he beat up 17 million people with his left pinky like that that kind of like that guy he's involved with this that sort of mentality is what you see in these communities. And that's kind of why I was like, they take this stuff way too seriously because they get themselves involved in wild stuff. You know, like that, 
they may have accidentally uncovered a money laundering thing. And that I'll never let that go, because to me, that was incredibly stupid. Like, why would you want to get involved in this? How many people were OK with getting involved with this? And maybe just maybe if I manage to get an email back from them, you'll have a couple quotes for them for the next episode. But they didn't get back to me in time enough for this one. Uh, if anybody from the Lost Media is listening, um, please reach out to me. I would love to get an email interview with you guys. <laughs> but anyways, when I was like looking into all this stuff, you know, like doing a little bit of research for the podcast and sort of just like reliving a lot of the cooler Lost Media stuff that I've gotten into within the last couple years. Yeah, I've been into Lost Media and this whole idea since maybe 2017 when I was graduating high school. And like this stuff is so cool to me because it's it's a sign that art is important to the human condition. And I know that's a big left turn from like the goofy stuff I was talking about, but I mean, to me, it, it gives me some kind of hope that, you know, so long as we're here, well, somebody's going to remember us because it's going to be important to someone. And that, that really stuck with me. That was something that was really cool to me about lost media. Like, okay, not to sound too messed up, but I know that eventually the heat death of the universe means the end of everything, right? But maybe, just maybe, right up until that happens, people will be listening to this podcast. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? But really, it made me start to think, what's going to happen to the stuff that I grew up on? You know, like, what what's going to happen to some of the internet-based stuff? I mean, like, yeah, okay, of course, uh, there's going to be these communities that want to preserve it, but internet-based communities come and go super quickly and easily compared to, like, some of the long-standing structures of media and transmedia organizations. And, and when I say organizations, I don't mean, like, companies. I mean, like, like literal, like, systems these that we've in, created and installed throughout the world that are interconnected with one another, uh, similar to the internet, but are old, I guess, like uh, legacy systems, like news, radio, and stuff like that. And by news, I mean like news as a concept, right? And radio as in broadcasting as a whole, and, and television and things like that. These things seem to have like a certain staying power that separates them from internet communities. You know, these are cultural impactful stuff think of like friends everybody knows friends but not everybody knows uh stupid daffy duck memes or big chungus you know what i'm saying everybody knows seinfeld but not everybody knows among us <laughs> i can't believe i just said that on my own podcast but really like you get what i'm saying i hope you're nodding when i say you get what i'm saying because to me it started to make me think you know when a meme dies where does it go? Yeah, sure. People my age still remember stuff like the troll face or rage comics. But what happens when I'm like 40? Does that stuff just go away? Do the experiences we had with these stupid <laughs> memes just go away? And, you know, that kind of bothered me because 
not just the memes, but the music and the art and the experiences. For me, particularly stuff like Vaporwave, you know, I, I'm always gonna be a big fan of it. And maybe I don't listen to it as much as I used to, and my tastes have kind of grown, but what's gonna happen when nobody else remembers it? Wait a minute, wait a minute, just listen. So, speaking of music, uh, the music in this episode was provided by Thor High Heels, uh, one of my favorite YouTube creators. He creates some really cool stuff, and a lot of his stuff has to do with a lot of the stuff that I find interesting. It has to do with old media, specifically old video games, and Homeboy also makes some really cool music too. All the music in this episode was actually made by him. Uh, go check out his Bandcamp, and I just want to give a really big shout out to Thor High Heels for letting me use the music in this episode. But yeah. I think he serves as an amazing example of what I mean when I talk about nostalgia for different types of media and ideas, really, and art reflecting not only the intention of a person, but why it's important to preserve these expressions of art that reflect times before us or aspects of our lives that aren't necessarily relevant anymore. Something that represents the contemporary of a bygone era. Something that represents us. So like in every episode, we have a moment where Brandon says, so what did I mean by all that? And this is that moment in this episode. Um, what I meant by all of that was I think that not only is it important to preserve media as a whole, you know, preserve these old pieces of media, whether it's something to me, like when I say media preservation, I don't just mean like, you know, old episodes of uh, game shows that aren't around anymore or, you know, really cool old school animes or old tsunami bumpers specifically stuff that I'm like really passionate about you know to me and of course I bet anybody who's watched tsunami can see a lot of my inspiration comes from like adult swim and tsunami and stuff like that and so having a lot of inspiration from those of course the media preservation for something like that is going to be super important to me but that's not to say that stuff that is other forms of media preservation isn't going to be important to me. I think that preservation of stuff like old school game shows or old television or old commercials is just as important because they represent the contemporary culture of a bygone age. Uh, you know, they're 
uh, a window into of, of society that no longer exists, that was experienced by people that might no longer be around to talk to us about it. And that's the link to why I think people like Thor High Heels are doing God's work. Because they're experiencing and exploring and recreating these sort of different types of art and these neo-nostalgic forms of, of media that are not clones of, of art and video games and stuff like that and music from like way back when, but their interpretations, their, their manifestations, their, their, their like reincarnations is a great way to put it. They're a bunch of nations, uh, of, of these old school sort of like art now, like, you know, arcadey and, and nowhere near contemporary forms of art. For me, I'm a big sucker for old arcade games. My mom's a killer at the arcade, full on, no stop. She will beat you no matter how good you are at Galaga if you were born after the 90s. Like, if you were born in the 90s, maybe you have a chance. 99, no chance. 2000 and on, no chance. She will dig you in the ground at Galaga. My, my mom's a killer at the arcade, and that got me to be, like, super into arcade games. I love Galaga. I suck at Dig Dug. And, like, Qbert, I played, like, twice, and I'm still trying to figure out how to do that dumb glitch that the AI figured out how to do that just, like, rerouted a bunch of points to it. That's beside the point. But, yeah, like, to me, there's not a lot of forms of art like that around anymore, but when I stop and think about it, I'm like, yeah, there are. There's stuff that that encapsulates that feeling still out there. And, and, and I know it's not like specifically for Galaga maybe, but you know, you have stuff like wizards of legend, which is this pixel art game. That's not only reminiscent of a lot of like old school, like handheld games, but it's also really reminiscent of a lot of old school games in general. And I think these like retro e arcade games that are record sort of like reconstructions of old, concepts are really cool and it, it really I'm a sucker for it all it takes is like an asymmetric view of something and I'm all over it even though I'm terrible at those games I still really love experiencing this kind of stuff you know when I listen to Thor High Heels I end up really wanting to play Shenmue 2 again even though like I never got past the part of the game in the beginning where you're working at a dock and getting yelled at because you don't have your rent because like I would never pay my rent. I would always be like, oh, I'll get it tomorrow. And then he started yelling at me after a while, but <laughs> that, that was traumatic, I guess. I don't know. I was like, cancel rent. And I was like, like seven, <laughs> but yeah. Um, anyways, you know, there's a, there's a sense of nostalgia around these like neo-nostalgic forms of art and i think that thor high heels super encapsulates this stuff you know go go watch some of his videos go check them out 
because you'll get exactly what I'm saying. You'll understand the vibe that I'm trying to put into words that's super hard to put into words. You know, if, if only things were simple to explain as love, because people are always like, I got butterflies in my tummy. But how am I supposed to explain like, hey, you know, watching this dude talk about Japanese only PS1 games made me really want to hop on like Perfect Dark for some reason and or like try to replay through Max Payne again or you know <laughs> play Bad Boys. You guys ever play Bad Boys? I have Bad Boys for the PS2 and it sucks, but that's you know that's neither here nor there. <laughs> like it's hard to explain this because I think that it's making me cope <laughs> if that makes sense. Now, I use a lot of language that is sort of prescribed to mental health and stuff. I I'd used a lot of that language in the last episode. And in this episode, I'm going to continue to use the word cope. But I specifically mean cope as like a form of grasping on to like uh, aspects of my childhood, aspects of growing up. I think that life nowadays is so fast-paced and crazy that it's super easy to forget things and not really live in the moment. And growing up for me, it was, you know, the wild west of the internet still and technology was still forming and people had those cool Razer Motorola phones and stuff. And life was moving at a slower pace than it is now. Yeah, but it was still fast. You know, things were evolving and it was like, what's coming out new what's this how's that it seems like all the spider-man movies came out at the same year for me it was wild one year i remember in sixth grade my mom got me a mobile dvd player and that was the coolest thing in the world and the next couple of years like people had iphones and stuff and like it, that's wild to me i remember realizing that like the ps2 was like super old and the PS3 was like also super old and here I was was like with the next gen and like that's almost gonna go out of style and time just started to morph into this big weird ball of it's never ending and it's scary but you know you sit back and you relax and you listen to some stuff that reminds you of the good times and I don't necessarily feel a sense of regret, but a sense of comfort in knowing that I still appreciated that stuff. You know, like I didn't just let it pass by. I, I sat there and I appreciated it. And that's kind of what I meant in the last episode when I talked about coping and the internet being uh, an avenue for coping. I think that the internet and technology as a whole as it integrates more into our life it creates these, well, opportunities, for lack of a better way to put it, for preservation. And because we create so much media, it gives us more options to preserve some of this stuff. And if we do, then we're preserving an aspect of our life, an aspect of the human condition, an echo chamber, a window into the souls of a time period. And I know that might sound really mental mellow dramatic not metal dramatic that'd be pretty metal wouldn't it but i know that might sound mellow dramatic and yeah it kind of is 
but to me, that's my reasoning behind why media preservation is important. Because now, more than ever, we can actually catalog our lives, our experiences, what it means to be human. You ever think about, like, what lessons have been lost entirely from generations before us? Well, now we have the opportunity to make sure that those lessons aren't lost. And that, to me, is pretty incredible. Like, the whole world is out there. And it's at your fingertips all at the same time. You didn't seriously think we were going to end on such a somber note, did you? So, here's your <laughs> homework for this episode. If you really, 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 really want to get a feel for a lot of the stuff I'm talking about, not only go check out your boy Thor High Heels again, once again, and forever. Thank you so much for letting me use the music for this episode. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you're listening, thank you. Really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. But, aside from him... I'd say go and check out um, Angry Video Game Nerd. AVGN is a really great example of a lot of the stuff I'm talking about. I know a lot of his stuff is really super duper crass, but there's a reason why he's still popular and relevant, you know? And if you're in the mood for some weird old school video game stuff, go check out the story of Giant Bearded Face, like the actual story of Giant Bearded Face. I'm not going to say his name because... I don't want us to get, like, in legal trouble because he gets mad at anybody who says his name. But go check out Giant Bearded Face. Like, look look into that. That was wild. And really, just keep looking at stuff that you used to like as a kid. If you like Adult Swim, watch the old bumpers. Find communities of people who remaster old episodes of Toonami. And in the words of the ever-wonderful Steve Blum, Stay gold. I'll see you next time.